The Lord bless you. Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you have them, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25. We're going to use as the uh, scripture that we... At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Teach from this morning. We've been teaching uh, for a number of uh, weeks on uh, conquering our demons, which if you've been in the classes, you understand that this is actually the... Uh, emphasis on uh, getting victory over the flesh or the fallen nature. And so we've taken through that uh, pride, and we learned that the uh, cure for pride is humility. We went through lust, and uh, uh, probably the uh, major uh, cure for that is quit watching TV, I don't know. So <laughs> then we uh, talked about greed and the cure for that's liberality, anger, uh, the cure for that's self control, uh, envy, uh, probably love the brethren. And uh, we're going to take this morning sloth or laziness. So we want to. Uh, do that. This is very interesting uh, to see how the writers uh, in history have handled this. I was reading this morning an article, I think uh, National Review or one of those magazines, that at one time in England they proposed that uh, they'd have penal colonies for people who refused to work. So that was very interesting to me, and uh, I don't think they were able to put it through. But uh, we might think about that here in America, so just just a thought anyway. I know everybody's looking for a job just as hard as they can get it, but probably 49 million or to 50 million are on food stamps. And so I doubt seriously that uh, these are people that are deserving to have that, but there could be some that we will give them some slack. So this word is a word... Uh, that uh, uh, if you remember right when we started this, one of the one of the uh, men at breakfast said the good news about uh, all these is that they're sins and sin can be repented of and can be forgiven. So I thought that was a very uh, good uh, commentary. So. Uh, uh, the word for this in the ancient is acidia, which is the deadly sin of sloth. And it's dealt with in various ways and so on. But uh, one, of the, one of the evidences of that that we want to deal with as we get to it is lack of zeal in serving and worshiping God. So we're going to get down to that in a little while. Uh, so I want uh, Hebrews 10.25. Somebody get me Hebrews 10.25. If Dennis would get that, hold it for me. Proverbs 21.25. Jeff uh, Cooper. Proverbs 19.24 is Steve Hernandez. Proverbs 
is uh, Tom and Proverbs 24, 34, who will get that for me. Who is it? Jordan, okay. So uh, actually, uh, sloth is an aversion to work. An aversion to work. I think I, I think I touched maybe last week on the Puritan ethic. Is something that America was built on, and uh, the reason that they had that is as believers they felt that uh, work uh, had a sacred dimension. In other words, work was a blessing from God, and uh, it was a sacred dimension. I've got. Uh, I've got quotes uh, somewhere in the archives that uh, one man felt his workbench was an altar, one woman felt her kitchen uh, was a shrine, and so that all of these things have been worked into an understanding, and that's what has made America great, is not only the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, motivation to work, but also, which is very uh, important, is the opportunity to work. Uh, many people have uh, little appreciation that uh, America has been built on a capitalist uh, uh, principle, which is that you get the rewards of your labor, and you're rewarded by the uh, by the uh, uh, by the uh, efforts of your labor, and that by uh, saving or proper management of resources then you could uh, parlay that into a, a, a blessing for your own lifestyle. So I want to start out with Hebrews 10.25. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul who writes this, uh, and uh, it is a uh, admonition for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another... And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, we'll come back to that before we finish. But we want to talk about <clears throat> the aversion to work or lack of motivation. Many re references, uh, and uh, the Scripture often uses the word slothful. And this is an imagery or sluggard. It uses those quotation. And uh, this is a person who procrastinates, a person who daydreams, uh, never seems to get motivated. They're always talking about doing something, but they never do get motivated. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of a lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Okay, King James uses the word slothful, which uh, pulls it out and, uh, and uh, uh, brings it out, refuses to labor. Proverbs 19, 24. A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl, and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. King James again says, A slothful man. Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. The, the lazy man says, There is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. This is a very comical and uh, a very interesting uh, passage that uh, you say, How come you're not going out looking for it? Hey, man, there's a wild lion in the streets out there, so I'm not going out. So Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with metals. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. 
So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Okay, here's a very interesting passage of scripture. It says, uh, he went by the field of a man that was lazy. He saw it uh, not being utilized. He's not uh, availing himself of the opportunity to parley the land that he has possession of to produce. And as a result of that, uh, he observes him and says, this is the mentality, a little sleep, uh, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of rest, a little folding of the hands. And so his poverty is going to come as one that travels and, uh, and his uh, want as an armed man. So this strikes at the heart of commerce and productivity. Uh, we have, uh, in our generation, we have the, uh, uh, the, uh, recently, uh, the Occupy Wall Street. I've made, I've made comment about that again. Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street simply, uh, you have worked, uh, you have the, uh, the, uh, labor of your hands, reward of that. Uh, I don't want to work. And as a result of that, I want what you've got. And so I'm going to demonstrate and march, uh, to see if I can pressure enough public opinion to get that turned over to me. Now we have a new, I don't know if you're aware of what's happening right now. I'm, I'm very interested in this, but, uh, there's a new theme. I have every, uh, I have every confidence it's going to be a major theme of the elections this year. And that is income inequality. Now, income inequality is not new. Income inequality is a communist theme. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, you don't, you, you don't think communist is. Uh, we have one in a White House. This is going to be a major theme. Listen carefully to what he's saying. Income inequality and what that's doing is triggering greed. I think I referred to that last year. Greed, which means uh, you've got money. I don't have any money. I want your money. And so to be fair, there's a great word, uh, fair. That's a wonderful word of socialism. Means that uh, you ought to give me some of what you have so that we all could be equal. So the communist motto is to, from him who uh, uh, has, and giving to him who has not. So you have an e equality, and this has become a theme. Uh, Mr. Obama's over and over, he's pumping the, and now I'm, I'm reading some of the literature that I get. It's becoming very, very prominent. This theme is income inequality, which means uh, that we need to take from the rich. You know, those dirty bad guys are, that are the one percenters, you know, you know who they are? These are the people that you want to be, okay? And so we take from them, and then we give to them that have not. Now, we're not going to rob them. You know, robbery is illegal. We're just going to tax them. Taxes are how we do this. And so it's going to be a major theme, and striking at the very root of this business of the human heart that wants and feels that they're entitled to a living entitled to what other people have, and so it's uh, it's being uh, plugged. And so, if you get mad at me, well, you just uh, talk to me after a while. So, uh, one author said, when lesser programs provide remuneration without productivity, it creates an imbalance in the marketplace. So, what we have uh, in recent history is a uh, is two major industries. You you uh, in the car industry in Detroit which incidentally have gone bankrupt because of this very thing. 
and Toyota. So here we have two principles. Now, you may not be aware of this, but in Detroit, when uh, automation became uh, very, uh, very uh, creative, uh, they began to uh, innovate uh, uh, machines that could manufacture cars. Much of car making was automated, and uh, as it goes through the pr production line, why uh, machinery accomplished what uh, uh, human beings could do, but uh, then this means that some people, their jobs are not going to any longer be available. So what happens, the unions moved in and said, uh, this is not fair. Yeah, what, we, what you need to do is you need to provide some kind of system so that these people can continue to draw an income. So uh, what happened was uh, that uh, these people in Detroit, they uh, go into, uh, if, they, wanna, if they, want, they want income, they go into a break room all day long. Don't have to work, but they just have to clock in. And so all day long, they play checkers or cards or whatever they want to do, and uh, they can draw. Uh, an average of $75 an hour with the automobile industry paying that. Okay. So remember now, money's not a gift. Money's something you earn. It's something you all need to teach your children. Otherwise, you'll be supporting them for life unless they're in prison. So <laughs> here we have uh, this uh, this business. And so this is an actual fact. I'm not just pulling this out of the air. This is an actual fact. These exist today, and this is what m has made uh, the automobile industry on the rocks and uh, various things. Meanwhile, down south, Toyota went down south. Uh, uh, cars, it cost in, in Detroit $75 an hour to build. Down south, they cost $35 an hour to build. So guess who is going to be able to sell more units uh, is a Toyota. This is why they seized the market, and only now they're beginning to lose a little bit of that. But it's because of this business that uh, productivity had nothing to do with how much money they're going to make. So here we have that at work, right up, uh, right up to date. And uh, we had another case of this in Boeing in Seattle. Uh, Boeing Aircraft has been the mainstream of manufacturing in America for uh, aircraft for many, many years. Uh, you have across the ocean uh, Airbus, and so uh, these have been in competition. Airbus uh, has for years uh, been able to preempt the marketplace because they're underwritten by the nations of Europe. And uh, what that means is that productivity isn't, uh, isn't, or the earnings aren't having anything to do with productivity. Governments underwrite that. Uh, and a uh, recent case of that was uh, probably a decade ago or more when Japan uh, underwrote the uh, steel industry and their, many of their industry because the government not, didn't compete with the world market. So they almost uh, bankrupt many of the steel industries in America because the government was underwriting that and seized that. It hasn't all worked out yet. But this is what put Japan in a hole because in reality, before it all works out, it, productivity must be equal to what the marketplace is going to be. So Boeing, uh, to be able to uh, produce the new uh, Dreamliner, they uh, laid plans and began to build a factory down in, uh, I think it's South Car North Carolina. 
and in that factory is going to manufacture the Dreamliner. Uh, but uh, the unions didn't like that because uh, they were going to be able to hire workers uh, at a cheaper rate. And so they went to the neighbor, Labor Relations Board in Obama's uh, 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 pocket, and they kept them tied up for quite some time. It seems to me like three years in legal proceedings. Uh, finally, Boeing prevailed, uh, but that's what that was all about because they didn't want them to to be able to uh, manufacture a, a plane cheaper uh, because uh, the union demanded they're going to have their uh, all their perks are there. So uh, while unions are not all evil, uh, if they ruin an industry, they are. And so Boeing has been preempted by Airbus in, in many areas, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, the market's still determining. But uh, good old American ingenuity is uh, is winning over. And the Dreamliner, if I just divert from my notes, the Dreamliner was uh, a a a dream of uh, Harry Stonecipher, I think his name was. He was a forward-thinking. Uh, uh, a very brilliant uh, manager. So while the world is going for bigger airplanes, remember now Boeing built the 747, wonderful airplane. He said, I don't think that the way of the future is going to be the giants. They had already were planning larger than the 747. So he redirected them into the Dreamliner. He said, I think the, the, uh, the wave of the future is an airplane that will fly cheaper and yet service the field. And so he redirected Boeing to the Dreamliner. It's built out of composite materials. It is marvelously fuel efficient and yet serves a large load without the, uh, without having to alter the landing spots and all of that. Meanwhile, Airbus is building this monster. The 380 is it, I think, double decker. And so it's being flown today, but, uh, but many airfields can't handle it because of the weight and because of the, that. So, uh, Boeing had some delays in the battery and all, but it's on production now. And before it's finished, you're going to see that Harris Stone Cipher was a genius uh, of looking forward. The problem is he couldn't keep his pants zipped. Uh, and so they had to remove him. And so that's uh, unfortunate. Uh, it will happen to anyone who falls down that pipe. Okay. Productivity before I get over preaching on morals now. <laughs> so this is an age-old issue, this business of slothfulness. Let's, let's stop right there. Maybe we've got some comment. I've, I've upset some people. Jeff Cooper. I, I work for a one percenter. And, um, you work for a one percenter, yeah. which means what? Um, he's a very wealthy man. He's a very wealthy man. Because some of these people are, are the uneducated. They are what Rush... Uh, uh, Limbo talks about it. they don't have a clue. Okay. Anyhow, it's it's a, a family-owned business that was started back in 1932 by his father, and from from the start it was one person, and now there's over 2,000 employees. Now there's 2,000 employees started by one person around the Western United okay. States primarily, and and I questioned him. He comes and pays a visit every year and does a profit sharing meeting with us and shows us the net profit and, and gives us information about our retirement. But um, I asked him at the time about the ramifications of the health care law and everything. And, and he made a comment and he was obviously very 
irritated about it. But he made a comment, and he said that uh, he would challenge anybody to tell him that he doesn't pay enough taxes when he pays over 40% in taxes. Right. So he pays over 40% as they all do. The bulk uh, for your education, the bulk of the taxes uh, that are paid in uh, America, it seems to me, are the top 5% in America, if I'm not mistaken. Pay a huge portion of the taxes paid. And so anyone who is in business and understand understands that uh, that... Uh, this is the greatest country in world history as far as the opportunity for we have a middle class uh, which most of you are middle class you you think you're very poor and uh, you're whining because you don't have more money but most of you are the middle class of America and uh, uh, kings would dream to live how you live okay we're stirring up a little talk here Casey real loud for me um. I consider myself to be kind of a hard worker, but when I look at people that would go and start a business or venture into some entrepreneur activity, I always would make the argument with people that I know, I said, I could never do that because I know I'm not, I'm too lazy and too fearful to venture out with nothing to try and create something, and it seems almost like a contradiction in terms you can be a very hard worker yet have lazy tendencies that you couldn't rely on if you really had to. You have slothful tendencies? <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> Probably the mark of this generation is uh, we desire the paycheck without the work. But remember, money is not a gift. And in the world economy, uh, this can't be beat in the long term. I want to tell you, uh, it's been tried over and over. Europe is in desperate troubles today because of this business, that productivity is not tied to income. Greece has to have bailouts. Europe is in trouble because the immigrants have been coming in to do the work, get all the French benefits, but it's not, uh, it's not meeting uh, to compete with the world market, and they're in deep trouble, billions in debt. Amen. Uh, Steve, uh, no, Pete Walter. Just this last week, Real loud for me. Just this last week, a new report came out that the top 20% of American earners pay 95% of all taxes and that the bottom 50 pay next to nothing. Top 20% pay 95% of all taxes. Uh, in America. So when you say top percentage, that means people that are making quite a bit of money. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Good. And Yvonne? Um, this is to the other extreme from the one percenters, but where I taught in Missouri, um, it actually was a very poor area and there were um, good pop good percentage of the population was on welfare. And they got several checks a month and were on food stamps and everything. Anyway, one of the other teachers, one of her students, um, came up to her one day and and she asked her, she said, uh, well, a couple of them, their aim was to, they're going to leave school and they'll just get a check like their parents do, you know. And uh, so she asked uh, her teacher, how many checks do you get? And so the teacher uh, responded, she says, I get one check and I work for it, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty good answer. 
Yeah, so, but the difficulty today is much of the graduates of our system do not understand economics at all. They are indoctrinated with a socialist mindset, and that's where you get Occupy Wall Street. It's uh, entitlement. I'm alive, I breathe, I'm entitled to the best that uh, society can give me. I saw a hand back here. Is Mac McCarty? Yes, they ran against this, uh, this, these people ran against capitalism. And what uh, a lot of people don't understand is that this nation probably wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for capitalism. They tried liberalism to begin with, and they were bad. When they went to capitalism, they flourished. Yeah, capitalism means you have the opportunity to make money if you're innovative, creative, and thank God uh, that we have the ability uh, because of law. We can move where we want to live. We can pursue the opportunity to pursue a better job and so on and so forth. That's capitalism at work. So let me explain to you capitalism. Capitalism means, let's see, who who to use an illustration? Who's, who's working construction? Let me see. Okay, Mike. Uh, don't you drive that truck with the sign on it to home repair? Okay. Why did you start that business anyway? Well, I mean, it'd be a lot better. You could go to work for somebody else and they could worry about all that. Why did you start a business? Well, I, actually what happened is when I got cancer, they, did, they didn't have a place for me when I, when I got well. Okay, got sick. They didn't have a place for him back in where he was employed. Okay. So I went to the the VA, you know, and they, they told me that I had to start a business. And I told them all I've ever done really is construction. So I got somebody to make me a sign, and I got some <laughs> And I went out and I handed them out. And I started handing them out, and I started getting jobs. And uh, I'll be darned it. For money. I make more money now than I did Okay, makes more money now than he did before. Okay, let's think this through now, because uh, to do that, uh, you're, he's working before, but he doesn't have all the tools he needs. So he saves his money and buys some tools before the boss furnishes all the tools, and he does the work, but the boss also gets all the money, gives enough you you make a living or to stay on the job. So uh, opportunity says, I'm going to buy my tools, now I'm going to make some money. And, and his testimony, uh, he's making more money now as a business for himself than he made when he's working for someone else who is furnishing the tools. That's American uh, enterprise at work opportunity. Who is it? Yeah, uh, Phil. Phil. Okay. What's his face? <laughs> oh, what's his face? <laughs> I do work for myself also, and um, I've told all my kids. There's been five in our home. We Three are gone and two are still there. I've told them all, I probably can't give you a lot of money. I probably can't send you to college. But what I've been doing between the age of eight and ten, I brought every one of them to work with me. And I made every one of them work. And I paid every one of them um, at the end of the week. Sometimes I had to wait a few weeks. But I kept the books and I paid them. They actually got the money. And so far, we're three for three who've gone out of our house and support themselves. God also began to get involved with that to show them that those who work and tithe get blessed. We were on a job and my daughter, Sarah, was we were uh, I'm a window cleaner 
and she was cl cleaning windows with me. And the customer was so impressed, he came and handed her a $20 tip right to her. And uh, I thought to myself, well, maybe I don't need to pay her anything today. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, money triggers other emotions, too. <laughs> spoke to me directly don't you dare yeah. she's been tithing that's my blessing you pay her and that's extra on top well that's very interesting okay we got we're gonna move through this bit jeff brown jeff is gonna give us a little wrinkle here a segue, uh, that ties into what phil said there 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 is a spiritual dimension to capitalism when the when it was first decided by our founding fathers that our, our system would work this way and every man would get to keep his own property and keep his own property. The Europeans said, what a ridiculous system that will be. Everybody will be after his own self and, and it will be the most hedonistic society in the face the world's ever known. And just the opposite happened. People got money, they were grateful, they opened hospitals, colleges, charities. Yep. And we uh, keep the world afloat. Money changes options. So uh, that same Europe, we've saved their butt twice in world wars and half the other world. Okay, so this is what's changing China right now. If you see us interested in sending missionaries to China, is uh, China's opened up uh, capitalism. They call it um, moderate prosperity. <laughs> The minute you put money in people's hands, moderate goes out the window. They just want more. And so they're not all Christians, but this is changing China and will change it because when people have money, they have options. And that's why China is going to change right before your eyes. And if the Lord tarries, we're going to have a piece of that. Okay, we want to move on before we get lost here. I'm, uh, remember, we're talking about uh, uh, uh uh, motivation. We're talking about industry. We're talking about slothfulness or laziness. So this is an age-old issue. I want Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Somebody over here help me there. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. That's uh, Alan, uh, if you want to do that. I want uh, Ephesians 6, 5 and 7 is Rich Merck. I want First Timothy 6, 1 is Casey. Uh, I want Romans 12, 11. His uh, twister is going to read that. Okay, so this business of laziness is an age-old issue, and uh, we kind of swerved into uh, a little bit of American uh, exceptionalism in that. But the Bible gives a picture from nature of this business of not being slothful or lazy. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider your way to be wise, having no guide, overseer, or ruler. Okay, here's a very uh, interesting um, uh, scripture. It said, Go to the ant, you sluggard who doesn't have anybody oversee, but gathers her food in the summer. This is very interesting. This is in nature. Uh, and uh, I think I spoke last week about a little bit of squirrel theology. 
Now, we've got another squirrel at our house that's taken up residence. You know, squirrels, when they built our subdivision, they didn't say, oh, oh here come people, we're out of here. So uh, actually, it, it furnished for them uh, uh, some pretty uh, hefty uh, benefits. So we have a decorative uh, uh, thing on and on our house. It, it's an extended uh, block thing that pa painted it, makes it, gives it, but it has hollow underneath. So a squirrel has taken up residence in there, and my wife complains every day that squirrel is eating acorns, dropping it down, and his poop too, and so she complains about that. But uh, you see, squirrels are taking advantage of that because uh, they gather acorns, so acorn holes every day comes out of that because he lives there. So I haven't been uh, occupied enough to set my trap. I have a live squirrel trap that I catch squirrels with and take, t t take them out and teach them to run. And so, <laughs> and so uh, all, all of you uh, Al Gore people, why just relax. And so, and so uh, uh, it's interesting, all of God's creation, they, they have this uh, instinct built in to provide for themselves and to multiply and to uh, repeat themselves. So the eaves and the fascia decoration, they store that up. Uh, and sluggish, is an, uh, an, uh, uh, it means adverse to activity or exertion. And one quote says, the sluggard makes his night till noon. The sluggard makes his night till noon. And the great, uh, the great quote, procrastination is a thief of time. So what that means is that, uh, yeah, that with human beings are lethargic and uh, they are apathetic, uh, having no interest or no concern, lack of feeling or emotion. And so in the workplace and in business and employment, uh, this is a very important responsibility is to be motivated to provide for yourself and put forth the effort that's necessary. Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. Okay, this is why the Puritans uh, had this uh, Puritan work ethic that they cranked into uh, their theology. This is why they felt that work is sacred, is texts such as these that you need to go to work if you're employed. You need to put forth eight hours of work for eight hours pay. And so uh, this is uh, biblical. And they uh, developed their theology that it's, it's evil to uh, uh, be employed and go to work and not produce. Because remember, money's not a gift. It is something that you earn. And in any business, it means that productivity is tied directly to how much productivity you're going to make that can be marketed in the business world or sales. Uh, uh, I want somebody, while I'm doing I want somebody to get Second Thessalonians 3, 8 through 10. Somebody get that for me. Who will get that for me? Yes, Tom's going to get that. We'll come to that. I'll call for it in a minute. Second Thessalonians 3, 8 through 10. Now, First Timothy 6 through 1. But as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Okay, there again, this principle is, is uh, there is a theological dimension 
that is tied to people giving an honest day's work and producing, and then business demands effort, Romans 12, verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Then Second Thessalonians 3, uh, uh, 8 through 10, uh, cranks in a very interesting little statement. Nor did we anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toiled night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Okay, here's the Apostle Paul. He writes and puts words to this doctrine. This is why the Puritans had a Puritan work ethic. And so you can imagine what this is. This is in the early church, uh, and uh, they, had, uh, they had various people. Uh, one statement was that uh, widows need to be helped. They had no... A program of help, uh, no social security system, nothing in Bible days. And so widows were assisted because of a feeling of responsibility. And uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul uh, writes at one time that uh, if they are uh, younger widows, they need to marry. They need to go on with their life, not just simply be on the dole, they call it, or on welfare support. They need to do that. Then uh, uh, he cranks in this, uh, this statement here. They had people there that undoubtedly were saved. And so it's very interesting. We've actually had experiences. People who come said, Hey, I want money. And, uh, said, Well, you know, you're not a part of our congregation. Who are you? Where did you get here? And you just, you determine that they're bums. That's what they are. And they would go from one church to the other church. You'd be astonished how many calls that we get. They call the Salvation Army. They call the uh, local churches here. And they've looked in the phone book and they know who the pastor is. And they call you by name. Is this Pastor Mitzi? I'm Pastor Mitzi. Well, look, I'm, I left Louisiana. I'm traveling to California, and uh, I need a place to live, or I need some food, I need some gas. Why are you here? Why did you leave for you? Well, you know, I just uh, want to do this. Well, this is the this is a generation that's like that. And so in the early church, he says uh, they had these people. He said, if they don't work, they don't eat. So uh, this has to be moved in. doesn't mean that we're heartless. That's interesting, uh, because I get people, I've had people come say, hey, uh, I saw your sign out there, and I need gas to get to uh, Chin Lee or to Albuquerque. I said, uh, uh, so who are you? Well, they give you some kind of story. say, okay, you stay till the service is over, and then I'll talk to you. They don't stay till the service is over. They need no time for that. So I, I, I discovered very quickly that, that wipes out 90% of them. They have to stay till the service is over. Why, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that much in need. Okay, so uh, this is why he writes that scripture. If any man doesn't work, uh, neither shall he eat. Okay, let's come back to now our opening text, uh, Hebrews 10.25, because you'll find that the early writers uh, recognized very early that this, uh, this spirit began to affect people concerning the service of God. And this is why the Apostle Paul writes and says, uh, not assembling, not forsaking the assembling yourselves together as a manner of some is, but so much the more as the day uh, approaches. And so the early writers uh, recognized and tied this in. There are many people who claim to be believers, 
but they uh, uh, either were too lazy to go to church or they neglected that. And so they added this business of, of, of church attendance and service to God as being slothful. So get for me Matthew 22, 36 through 38. Somebody over here on the far side uh, uh, is, uh, who is it? Corey. Matthew 22, 36 through 38. Matthew, Mark 12, verse 30 is uh, Daniel. First uh, John two fifteen uh, through seventeen is uh, uh, Jordan. First John two fifteen seventeen. So in the video, uh, that's a don't 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 put the John fifty two fifteen seventy has nothing to do with that. So uh, we're going to that. Okay. So uh, let's read these two scriptures. Matthew twenty two thirty three to thirty six to thirty eight. Okay, here it, it presents a wholeheartedness service to God, and this is moving into this uh, this interesting statement of serving God wholeheartedly. Mark twelve verse thirty. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Okay, and not be diverted by things. First John two fifteen to seventeen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Okay. Then uh, I want to Ephesians five fourteen through seventeen. Somebody here, David uh, Sanchez. I want First Thessalonians five six through eight. Then Hebrews ten twenty five again. Somebody get that for me. Is Mike uh, Sanchez and Hebrews six eleven and twelve? Is Rich Merck's, uh, Merck? Ephesians uh, five fourteen through seventeen. So Paul. Uh, puts this business of laziness as being asleep or wanting to sleep in as one of the quotes that I gave that a lazy man or a slothful man, he doesn't wake up till noon. So Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, here's an urgency to serve God and become involved in the things of God. First Samuel, Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay, and this is especially pertinent to gathering for church. Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much so as you see the day approaching. And Hebrews 6.11 and 12. And we desire that each of you show some diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not 
Okay, be not slothful, but imitators of those. So let's open for a comment or a question for a few minutes this morning. Uh, Ken Herman. My daughter in her second grade class, a couple weeks ago, they were doing a study on sloths. On sloth? Sloths. What school? Christian Academy. Oh, okay. I knew it must be something Christian. They'd never teach that in a public school, I can tell you that. So we're, uh, so we're looking some of this stuff up on the internet, and, and my wife found an article that uh, moths can actually grow on sloths because they move so slow. <laughs> there is actually an animal called a sloth, and the reason they call it that is because they're uh, they're lazy, uh, they move very slowly, and so he said that the article says that moss actually can grow on them because they're slow movers. Very good. Uh, who is it? It's Robert? Okay, so that undoubtedly is where the word comes from, right? Uh, who is it, George? Yeah, out, of, out on the land, we have uh, cowboys that uh, live way out uh, alone. And no one but them knows if they're working every day. We've had some that do not and uh, just hang around and whatever they do. They're, they're not out riding. And uh, it don't show, four months it don't show. But uh, when we do the roundup, uh, which we do twice a year, the uh, then it shows because all the cattle that they're supposed to be managing are wild and really hard to work with because they're not out riding and working their country. The cowboys that when no one's looking are out there riding their country, it shows up in the cattle when they have to work with them in the roundups, they're very easy to work with because the cowboys have been responsible at riding their country every day. What a powerful illustration. Okay, so I don't know if you all caught that, is that cowboys are, have to be self-motivated because they're trusted out where no one is, no one's watching them to take care of cattle. And if they're lazy, they don't do that. They can tell, uh, they don't, nobody knows it. It doesn't seem, but it shows up in the roundup because their cattle are hard to work with. Uh, because of that, and the cattle who have uh, cowboys present are easier to work with. What a powerful illustration. And you say amen, and that's true in life. It also shows up in uh, many other ways. It shows up in ministry. Ministers are, uh, have to be self-motivators. They have to uh, read. They have to pray. They have to pay attention to their ministry. If they do not, uh, it may not immediately show up because nobody comes and checks on me or Greg or our uh, angel every three or four hours, say, hey, what are you doing? Or, well, I'm asleep. No, they don't do that. But it does show up in the quality of ministry and uh, not so much in numbers, particularly although it does, because you can run a lot of members and be an absolute uh, loser. Uh, all you need is free food or 
or entertainer, and uh, they'll show up. But it shows up in the quality of life of the people. Are they fed? Are they ministered to? Uh, are they properly cared for? Uh, and do they reproduce? And so that all shows up. Very good illustration. Thank you, George, for that cowboy illustration. I got to remember that. Somebody else. Very good. That twister. Yep. No. Okay. Somebody else. It's uh, who? Steve Welch. Yes, uh, our president has said, I'm lazy. And as a demonstration of that, he didn't even take the extra effort to say, I am lazy. He used no contraction. In addition to this, a talk show host uh, looked up his work schedule, which being the most transparent uh, administration ever, this can be found, I think, is whitehouse.gov. And so uh, he found out his workday begins at 10 a.m. with a national security meeting of 25 or 30 minutes, and then a couple other meetings and addresses. And then at 1.30, after a grueling three and a half hours, he calls it a day and quits. Mm. No contradiction for me. <laughs> I didn't vote for him. Who is it back here? Is it Rob? You want my comment on that? Well, yeah, it's very plain. As I, uh, uh, if you're listening this morning, pay attention to that because there's profound meaning in that. Every man works for himself. I know you say, well, I work for somebody. Years ago, uh, Harold Warner worked for uh, a relative of Charlie Foster, and he wasn't getting paid very much. So I'll give Charlie some, providence, some prominence this morning. So uh, Harold had worked faithfully. Uh, he did put tracks in the meat and also, but, it, you know, that was a side issue. And witnessed, witnessed everything that moved. But uh, he came to me and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard and I'm not getting uh, any raises. So I said to this, th these words, I said, Harold, remember these words. No man ever works for someone else. I said, you in the ultimate, you're working for yourself. You work hard, do right, be diligent, learn anything that you can learn, promote your workplace as much as you can, and you'll find in the process of time the disciplines that you have learned uh, working at something you don't really like to work at. In a process of time, it forms character, it forms a diligence, it is recognized, God is looking down always, uh, and in a process of time, that, that will uh, turn out very well for you. And so this is very true today. Uh, Harold is one of the most diligent students of the Bible that I know about besides my son, Greg uh, Mitchell. And it has play, played out in his ministry because that same work ethic that he disciplined himself there in Food Queen Market now has cranked into his ministry, has brought productivity there. So that's what that verse means, Rob. 
Hope that helps you. The Lord bless you. Next uh, Sunday, we're going to do our final uh, study. And uh, this has been very interesting. I appreciate all the comments and participation.